Welcome to Movie Maker Interviews, the podcast where we talk to our greatest actors, writers, and directors about the art and craft of making movies. My name is Tim Malloy. I'm your host. I'm going to ask the shortest questions I can and get out of our guests' way this week because they had great things to say. We have stars Camilla Marone and James Badgedale and writer-director Annabelle Atanasio of the fantastic new film Mickey and the Bear, which you've probably heard some really good things about already. Mickey and the Bear, which is now in theaters, has a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes. That means every single critic who has reviewed it, and there have been dozens, has liked it. Atanasio's feature debut is about a high school student, played by Marone, who's taking care of her father, a veteran who's suffering from severe post-traumatic stress, and is played by Dale. It's set in the extremely small town of Anaconda, Montana. It's drawn a lot of complimentary comparisons to Winter's Bone, and I also thought it reminded me a lot of a wonderful movie I saw last year, Leave No Trace. I'd like to say thanks to the Savannah College of Art and Design Savannah Film Festival, where I saw this film uh, last month. Atanasio and Marone speak at the beginning of the interview about a Q&A that they did at the festival that Dale did not attend, and he explains why. If you like this episode, you can support us by visiting moviemaker.com, subscribing to Movie Maker Magazine, or just sharing the podcast itself. And now, Camilla Marone, James Badgedale, and Annabelle Atanasio. You'll quickly figure out who's who. I really enjoyed this movie. I got to see this at the Scad Savannah Film Festival. Oh, cool. Oh, right on. It was, I was there. Yeah, you guys were both there. <laughs> it was great. I was also there. I, I was in Atlanta. <laughs> you were close. I was in the state, but I could not get out of work. Yeah. <laughs> My spirit was Allegedly. There. Allegedly. 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 You can call the second AD. I know for backup. I think you. Actually, I, I, I sent you a call sheet. You I did. sent you the schedule to confirm. And he like, didn't lying. believe me. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, like, you can come. He's just trying to get out of. Well, I was in Savannah and I was having a great old time. Yeah, I saw the photos. Certainly. Yeah, people loved it. Love it was a really. <laughs> so you were at that screening. Yeah, I was at that screening. Oh, that was a really fun. That was a great screening and Q and A. Did we like. go to the? Did Andy and I do the Q and A? We after? did the Q and A. Oh, so when we had those comfortable chairs. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really good, really young audience, and I felt like they devoured it. And I kind of felt at SCAD, being around college students, I was like, this is after millennials. This is kind of like meeting Gen Z mm-hmm. and feeling good about it. <laughs> like, honestly, feeling like things are going to be okay because they seem to really appreciate film and they seem to really appreciate this film. Yeah, and there are a lot of young women in the audience, and I think that young women and and, um, and, and men as well um, who were really receptive to the movie. It was such a, Cammy and I got to meet and talk with so many The students. future is not doomed. <laughs> yes, exactly. There is hope for the youth. They have sophistication. Exactly. They've got hope. taste. This is kind of like a, I guess it is kind of a gen, are we, am I Gen Z? Are you Gen I'm Z? Gen Z. And I'm millennial, I think. Yeah. You're what old. Oh, You're a dinosaur era. <laughs> I think I think we are proud Gen Xers. Your T-Rex generation. <laughs> I think I think we're both Thanks, Gen Xers, which is totally okay. Gen X sucks. It's, I'm just wow. Kidding. Okay. Just <laughs> the shade of it all. I don't know. <laughs> Where did the first germ of this movie come from? I mean, why Montana? I was interested in exploring the way trauma affects the family unit, and so. That led me to wanting to research veterans and tell a veteran's narrative through uh, the perspective of a young girl. That's just something I'd never seen before. And 
I was fortunate to get a grant from NYU Gallatin to spend the summer in Montana conducting research on veterans communities. And that's where everything was kind of was kind of born. So was it a grant specific to Montana? No, it's the Dean's Award for Summer Research. Um, so it's you essentially just propose uh, a research project that's going to consume your summer. And mine was to go to Montana Research Veterans Families Research, uh, te- uh, the teen culture, and ultimately turn that research into a fictional narrative film. And then you write this script and you send it out to your amazing actors? I got an audition from my agency and I read the log line and the breakdown and I got halfway through the script and then I said, you know what, I'm not even going to waste my time reading the rest of the script. I know I like it and I want an audition for it. So I I worked my acting coach on it and I self-taped it in my house, in my kitchen, (laughs) and I sent it in. And a couple months later I was in Anaconda meeting Annie for the first time before I actually had the job. To kind of meet Annabelle and see how we work together. You flew yourself out, right? Yes, I did. I'd like to get reimbursed, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting about this? Okay, so you sent me that script based upon a performance I had done years ago. Flight. Mm-hmm. Where they had told me no, and I refused to take no for an answer and did it anyway. And here Cammy is sitting here today because she refused to take no for an answer, and she got on a flight to Montana to prove herself. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just... On a flight. Um... <laughs> it's a two-hour flight. <laughs> two it it um, I don't know. I think it's just like a testament to Cami's strength. There's there's just something about like we we just had the right crew at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I just think if you want something, you have to fight for it in this industry. Yeah. Nothing is going to be given to you on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. That's been my experience with every job I've ever booked and every job I've come close to booking. It's always a fight. It's always proving yourself, and until you quote unquote make it. It's just an uphill battle of proving yourself time and time again. And then what is making it? I don't know what making it, it means. I can't even wrap my brain around that. Do you think people who have made it sit there and they go, I don't know what making it means also? I mean, <laughs> making it is when you're getting direct offers from the absolute coolest directors on living earth. And then I feel like you've kind of made it. Do you think that people who have made it on that level are sitting there going, "There's this is probably my last movie? No. Mm. No. No. Okay. <laughs> I think they're like looking at. I will be that, that person. Still didn't get. I think everybody. You always. It's like so challenging because you're never. Nothing in in the film world is ever going to come to you on a silver platter. Even if you are getting offers, there's always going to be something that you're like, oh, I wish I got that. I think. Absolutely. You know? I think everyone's concerned with like shelf life. Or, or not or even or if like I got that, but like never feeling good enough. Yeah. I think that's like the story of an actor is never feeling like you did enough or, totally. or never feeling satisfied and like you've learned enough and you're never done growing yeah, as yeah, an actor. Never. Do you feel that still? I mean, you're really well established in your career. I feel like you get, I feel like you get really good parts. No, no I, I, this one was like, I'm like, this is my last movie. <laughs> I'm, I'm done after this. Same. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not by choice. Right? No, I'm like they will yeah. just never want me again. I'm done. I'm done. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that feeling ever goes away. I think there's like this internal or eternal chase of something, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's the thing that you. That's why people say you have to love this. Like you have to love this work. You have because there's so much rejection. Yes, mm-hmm. right. I it mean, is so painful. So it, you it, better. Yeah, like you it. fucking mm-hmm. like it, man. You know what I mean? Because it's it's uh, uh, it's not for the 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 weary. You know what I mean? At yeah. Heart. Yeah. 
And you also change like through as an artist each year, each even other like every couple of months, we all are ebbing and flowing and changing and our taste changes. And so like what you might be going after at 20 might be very different than what you're going after at 30 and 40. And it, it, I think it evolves. And so what you want to do and what your dream project is, once you've done that, then it becomes something else. And I think that's the beauty of storytelling is you're constantly changing. One thing I liked a lot about this movie and that I haven't seen in a lot of movies, and I wanted to ask how much of this is your script and how much of this is collaboration and how much of it is just realizing something your actors are doing and that you can make changes on the spot. Mm-hmm. Your, and I'm looking at the actors now, your faces do so much work in this movie. Like you really carry a lot of emotions and you don't have to have long speeches or do a lot of exposition because you can really tell like what kind of pain or what kind of struggles you two are dealing with just based on expressions. At what point did you realize that you kind of had, and now I'm looking at Annabelle, at what point did you realize that you had that in your arsenal and might not need as many words as you might have thought? I would say the script was already quite spare. I'm not a fan of, yeah, I I worked in network television for quite a while as an actor, so I'm not a fan of exposition because I just don't feel like people ever expose information in that way in real life. But I would say the second fold of that was in the edit when I saw how much was communicated in their performances. We really were able to be even more spare because these two are so expressive and there was so much in their eyes and in their behavior. And then on top of that, in the hair and makeup and in the costumes and the way things were lit. Um, So Henry, my editor, and I really like pared back as much as we could um because we were fortunate to be able to rely on what was going on in their eyes more than any sort of explaining well i think what you were asking annabelle which is how much of the script is what we're seeing on screen and i think the structure of everything was there and then just small choices that we made on the day are the things that you know make it special to badge and i and uh our relationship and things that we learned over the course of filming but i had never played someone that was so internalized and I mean, I'm the most outspoken person ever. <laughs> I don't know how to withhold any information or emotions. So this was just playing the polar opposite of everything that I know and everything I've, I've been my whole life, mm-hmm. which is the point of acting, I guess. It's interesting to watch Cammy because she is so vibrant and alive. She's like, you know, off camera and like we're, we're joking around on set and it's vibrant, alive, vibrant, alive, vibrant, alive. And it's like, okay, rolling now. She is, she's completely still as Mickey yeah. she's just watching she's just present and she's watching and there's kind of like a coiled quality to her you know and as another actor like sitting across from her I'm kind of looking at her just waiting like which which way is she gonna go and she changes up every take you know um, and to what you were saying Annie wrote a really sparse script there's no exposition in the script Yeah, and I love that I love that because it allows us to fill in mm-hmm. all this other space it does kind of feel like every job is a little bit a reaction to your last job, and your last job was a CBS procedural mm-hmm. bull where there probably is a lot of just characters exchanging information in a way that is probably not that fun to play. I think that job for me was like more like being on the news than it was like acting. Hmm. Um, it was more like reading from a teleprompter. Yeah. Uh, and there were moments of acting in it, but I found I was trying in, in this to rebel against that uh, screenwriting principle that you have to explain all the facts, especially for, for something that was meant to be quite earthy and quite 
um, behavioral and tactile, which was was the tone of the acting style, I would say, from this. Um, I thought you could convey so much more in, you know, I guess the way she holds him uh, when she sings him to sleep rather than like explaining why they miss Vanessa, uh, her mother. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest thing to do in the in the roles? I mean, I just I think the most awkward situation is when people get like a card declined at dinner. This is such a small, real moment that everybody encounters at some point in their life. But it's just there's so much dynamic there between you. For me, that was incredibly awkward. And of course, there's stuff at the end that's really difficult. But for you, what was really hard to do? Where the story goes, I think the card getting declined was one of the easiest things. Hmm. You know, um, I don't know. I, I I trust these two implicitly, and and so you know, you kind of build something together, and then to just from my personal experience to be the individual who breaks that trust. Um, on the last day of shooting, because we shot in order, basically. I mean, well, oh, not wow. the whole thing in order, but obviously we had to, because there was a beard-shaving circumstance that we had. Uh, the last day was in order. That was about the only thing that was in order. Yes. That was <laughs> the whole shoot. <laughs> wow. We were ping-ponging all over the place, but yeah, yeah, Cammy's right. The last day, we literally shot um, sequentially. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that that was hard for me. I remember turning to Annie and being like, I'm I'm dark right now. It was like yeah. 2 a.m. and my yeah. mind was going down this spiral, yeah. you know, because... I mean, we were also I at the end of a marathon. Was, yeah. We're on week five, last day. You're a day away from wrapping. You're a day away from uh, all these emotions of, I'm never going to work with these people again, and I'm never going to be in this exact space and this exact experience again. So that's kind of depressing on its own. Yeah. And you're at the end of this amazing run and experience, so that's really sad. And then you're on top of that shooting the most difficult scene of the film. Right, yeah. right. And for many reasons, emotionally and blocking-wise. Uh, yeah, we, we were we were still trying to figure that out and what How that is. And it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you got me once. <laughs> you got me once. He kept denying it. He was like, I'm, you're not going to kick me. And I was like, I'm going to kick you in the balls, and I know it's going to happen. Yeah. It, it turns it, like, like most of my experiences with Cammy, she uh, turns out to be right. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I wish more people in my life knew that. <laughs> but I didn't, want, I didn't want her to know. I didn't want her to be thinking about it while we're doing it so I was like I'm gonna sacrifice my body but it's interesting like what you're talking about before but like the the physicality you know that's something that like Cammy and I really had to search out like what is that family dynamic physicality because that's that says so much more than any expositional line of dialogue describing I really like holding your hand or something you know what I mean exactly I think like yeah the I mean, I always go back to them in bed together for the first time, which the scene is not about that. But I think seeing a father and daughter in bed when she's 18 is disturbing for an American audience in some way. So it's like, why do we have to put anything on top of that? Um, even them dieting and dashing and like her having a great time, this like really like thrilling scene. We don't need to put anything on top of it. They just have to be having a good time. Um, so I think Badge and Cammy are also both very fearless actors where they don't get locked in. They're both... They both came at it and played scenes a hundred different ways. Um, and then the three of us, I think, are also very interested in in that, like, multiplicity of, like, that these scenes are written a certain way, but that doesn't mean we have to play them that way. Um, and how I think the the blocking can help in, and the costumes and the way things are shot can help inform. They were both also very involved in those decisions, too. Yeah. 
what talk went into the way to handle some of the big issues that are in this movie but don't take over this movie? I mean, you address the opioid crisis, you address veterans, you address, I think there's a cancer cluster going on that, that killed the mother character. It's a challenge because, especially, I mean, creating any movie, you want it to feel historically accurate in some way. So with a modern movie, I was looking at what was really going on in this country and what was really going on in, in Anaconda, um, where there is this this fallout from the copper smelter and there is toxic waste. Um, I didn't want to make the movie focusing on that because it's, it's about this human story, but you can't ignore that. Um, so... I just tried to make it um, either texture or part of their day-to-day li- lives, but not, I guess, incorporate it into the plot. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask what advice you got from your families and what was helpful and what was not helpful. Um, your dad wrote a movie that I absolutely love, Donnie Brasco, and some other things that I love as well. Mm-hmm. Was that helpful or was that kind of a hindrance. I mean, my parents are lawyers and I would never want to be a lawyer because (laughs) I've lived with two lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't ever really interested in screenwriting uh, formally because I I didn't really, I didn't know what I had to offer. He was actually my biggest champion. I remember he read a one act I wrote when I was like 19 years old and he said, you have a fantastic ear for dialogue. You're funny. You have great sense of character and keep going, keep writing things. So for me, I fell into this um, with a lot of a lot of help and a lot of encouragement from a lot of people, um, but I would say the biggest supporter of all of this has been my dad. Um, and it's challenging, of course, because I I know he has brings this um, vast experience to the table. So oftentimes he's right, and it's challenging. Um, and now it's less of a struggle because I've learned some things since making this movie. Um, but I really, it's like a huge gift to have one of my parents uh be able to guide me um and to just it's more than that really be able to just support me and say like I'm so proud of you you're doing great and keep going yeah you know it's huge this career just looks much more possible I guess when you when you live with somebody who who's done it really successfully yeah absolutely and you know at the end of the day he's my dad and my family I'm very close with and they when things aren't going great uh you know, this movie took so long to get off the ground, um, which was a blessing in a lot of ways. But when things aren't going great, you have that support system that is going to love you regardless of your accomplishments and regardless of um, regardless of whether you're like doing great or doing awful. You know, my mom and dad were both actors and struggling actors, as most actors are except for the one percentile of actors who work on a consistent basis. But, I mean, I was very turned off by acting. I was scared of it. It was this thing that seemed unstable and unsure and inconsistent and emotionally taxing. So I came into that with all those prior fears that were kind of passed down from passed down from my parents. So I had to shake that off for a couple years and and create my own experience, my own opinion, and my own point of view on acting and not just let their experience hinder mine. And yeah, I mean, once I, once I started working and I told my parents, this is what I wanted to do for, for the rest of my life. I mean, they were nothing but supportive, but of course coming with their own baggage of fear and concerns and 
you know, I don't think that ever will go away, as James was saying. There'll never be a moment where I think, okay, I'm done. I'm officially done. Everything will be given to me, and now I have nothing left to learn, and I'm just the greatest of all time. That will never happen, <laughs> especially with me, because I will the never greatest think. Greatest of all time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. That'll yes. never be the case, but it's just to keep writing my own story and try this out on my own in my own experience. And James, do you have mentors in this? I mean, whether it's parents or anyone else. Yeah, I, I, I had. A, oh man, yeah. I mean, l- listen. My, my father was a director and choreographer. Uh, my mother was an actress. I had a really, and, and they were, they both came up in theater in New York, you know. So they, they, I, I would say, I'd say they were blue collar actors, you know. They, uh, they worked real. Nothing was given. They worked really, really hard to earn a reputation, and then worked off that reputation. Uh, I had a really interesting experience with my father, though. Uh, talking about like the actor mentality. My father quit acting when he was about 30 years old. Hmm. He had done nine films and he just thought he was no good. And that he has that voice. We all have that voice. That'll be me. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's wild, you know, this, this voice that tells us that we can't do it. You're like, oh, I'm no good. You watch a movie, you're like, oh, I'm terrible. I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way I sound. I don't think I'm good enough. I'm tired of the rejection. And so he went into directing and choreography because he figured he could have a longer career. I'm sitting in a movie theater with him and they were doing a, a French uh, film festival, and he had done uh, a, a French musical called uh, uh, The Young Girls of Rochefort. And uh, I'm watching it with my father, and this is about 10 years ago, and I'm about 30 at this point, the same age when he quit acting. And I'm watching the movie with him, and he leans over during the movie, and he goes, I was wrong. I wasn't bad. That movie's spectacular. Wow. It's a crazy good movie. Yeah. Crazy good movie, but to have that experience as a young man, you know, to have my father have given into the voice. And by the way, he had an exceptional career as a director and choreographer. Exceptional career. Uh, you just can't let that voice take over, I guess. Had, I watched a 74-year-old man realize, you know. He gave up on something he loved out of fear. Yeah. I saw that movie right after La La Land, and it was just oh. like, oh, my gosh, this is where they got it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a great uh-huh. movie. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, last thing I wanted to ask, and I totally understand if you would have taken a pass on this, but I've been trying to puzzle it out ever since I saw this. At the SCAD Savannah Film Festival, when you guys did a Q&A, you mentioned that you, Cammy, were going to do the biggest movie of the year and ended up doing this. Joker? I just, I can't figure out what the movie yeah, was. Yeah, I was going to play the Joker. Oh my God. Instead of Joaquin. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> but don't tell anyone. <laughs> I would have been up for that Oscar instead of Joaquin. <laughs> that would have been great. I no, think you would have been better. I, I wasn't up for it. I wasn't up for it. I, I, I mean, I didn't have the job. I didn't choose this job over that job. I was very close to another job um, that was very mainstream and commercial, and everyone in the world would have seen this film. And then this, you know, ended up prevailing. And, and the second that I found out I didn't get that other job and that I was still going to go into this movie, I felt a sense of relief because, yeah. first of all, didn't want to do that to Annabelle, leave her hanging <laughs> the day, first day of production. And I, I, and I wanted to play this character, and, and it's been the best choice I ever made. This has been the most rewarding film and experience, and I learned so much about myself and as an actor and as just a human being and my endurance and... This has been a very big learning experience for me, and I wouldn't have had it any other way. And you talked at the festival about planning to collaborate again. Is that, is there any development on that? I hope so. I'm available. Are you available? Yeah. 
Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm after this press too. tour. I'm the sequel. Unemployed. She goes to she goes to college. Our lifetime version. Mickey um, goes to college. I know, and we flash back to Hank as a young. Mickey kills the bear. <laughs> exactly, but then we have like Wait these zombie flashbacks to like Hank in another universe, and he's like still alive, but as a zombie. You know what the great f- thing about film is uh, you don't have to play those characters again. Yeah. So I'm I'm raising like, my hand. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's cool. You know, I. This is obviously a pretty serious film uh, or serious tone, but a lot of my sensibility is in like kind of off-center comedy, um, mm. and I like funny material. So I've ever since doing this movie, I've been really excited to get to work on something funny with them and actually the rest of our cast as well. Um, so I'm I'm a person I really like to work with the same actors the multiple times. Job, <laughs> I don't do funny, but. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll cater it with Ray. Like, we'll make some nice, like, vegan salads for you. Cool. <laughs> yeah, you're okay. Nice, nice, nice. I'll, I'll you. do whatever you want, Annie. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Perfect. You just tell me where to go. Cammie you just tell me where to go producer, and stand. This woman. And you'd be, I feel like you must be a good chef. I'm like a good security guard. I'm an excellent chef. A good security, security guard. guard. Like, for a closed set? I don't know. You'd fight someone? He would. I'd fight everybody. What <laughs> <laughs> are you looking at? What would I be good at if I didn't do this? Nothing. No, Badge would be the thing, the person that, I just forgot what it's called, but I think it's AD. And they're like, on set, everyone, quiet! And he's like yelling, because you have like a loud man voice. I don't, I don't like yelling at people. I, I do get a little loud on set sometimes. I'm always the one, like, when the AD is yelling quiet, they're yeah. actually talking to me. <laughs> are you loud? I'm loud. No, but he's got a good, strong, like, man voice. I feel That's ADs true. have strong, powerful, demanding voices. Yeah, I yeah. can project. I can see it. I can project. I can project. <laughs>